This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 72 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host and go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and if you're listening to this on Zoomer Radio, it's December 24th, and I hope you've got all your Christmas shopping done for all of your kids and grandkids, mostly for the grandkids, right? It's super fun shopping for some old toy classics, but also learning about the new things they might want Santa to put under the tree, or the things we ourselves might want to receive. So on today's show, we're going to look at some smart home technology grandparents might want to buy for themselves, uh, if we landed on the naughty list. Tech guru and friend of the show, Mark Saltzman, is back on the show to walk us through how to smarten up our homes for 2023. He always knows the latest technology, but also what really works and is really, well, smart. One thing we might not be too smart about is shopping in general. Author Paul Burton is on the show with his new book, Shopomania, Our Obsession with Possession, which might be a timely listen for us before we even think about a Boxing Day shop fest or adding more things to our probably overstuffed homes. Paul looks at what drives us to consume. Do you have shopperia? Are you a shopperati? Do you blotto shop? We'll look at some of those terms and dig into why the pandemic has amplified how we think about consumerism. You can't take it with you, we all know that. But what should we be leaving behind? Our Take 5 with RBC interview this week talks about our family legacy, something we might be thinking about as we participate in family holiday traditions. What will your financial legacy be? The gift that keeps on giving this show, a packaged show presently awaits you. I'll tie a bow around it for you if you stay tuned to Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and I'll be chatting with Mark Saltzman next. For the past 25 years, Mark Saltzman has been a prolific tech expert with one simple goal, to break down geek speak into street speak. Mark is a freelance journalist for more than 20 publications, a 16-time author, and the host of the Tech Impact TV show. Mark specializes in consumer electronics, automotive innovations, interactive entertainment, and future trends. Good morning, Mark Saltzman. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, pleasure, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. So you're the smart guy. That's why I have you on the show. You're going to tell me, what is a smart home? We hear so much about it, but what is it exactly? And more importantly, maybe, why do we want one? Yeah, that's a great question. So why buy these things? Like, What does it actually do for us in our homes, right? So smart home devices like Wi-Fi thermostats, video doorbells, and smart appliances add what I call the three C's. One is control. So you can use your voice if you have a smart speaker or an app on your phone or tablet to say, turn down the temperature of your home. Or you can ask your smart screen or smart speaker to show you who's at the front door. Or you can ask your Alexa or Google speaker to lock the front door, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's control. So the second one is convenience, which is kind of where we already sort of went. It, it, It can be automated too, like lights that automatically turn off when you leave a room since it can detect that a person is not there. So the second C is convenience and third is cost savings. So if you have like a water sensor that can detect a leak and then automatically shut off the water supply to your home and notify you on an app, 
that's pretty convenient and can save you, you know, a lot of money. In fact, you know, uh, water damage is the number one insurance claim. So, you know, it's just convenient to, you know, uh, control it with your voice or with an app. Uh, you can get push notifications when, uh, you know, when like your appliances, like let's say your dishwasher is done. So those are like a, a quick, that's a quick summary of why we would want a smart home, which is a very modular thing because you can start with one and, and play around with it and then decide to add on more devices, budget permitting. Yeah, I think that's great. We've come a long way since the clapper, right? <laughs> the clap on, <laughs> yeah, clap exactly. off. That's and, right. But that's the same idea, right? Yeah. You could just clap to uh, turn the lights on and off. I remember that infomercial. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned a few of those in your, I love this whole three C's things. It's a great way to break it down, actually. And I've had water damage. I got you on that one. I do have a thermostat I can control at my cottage from my phone, which is also cool. So I can heat it up before I get there. But let's talk about, you know, the ways that we can smarten up our home with, the, with those examples you just quickly went through. But tell us a little bit more about those. Yeah, sure. Without even mentioning brands, let's start with the outside of your home. A video doorbell is a great place to start. It lets you see who's at your front door, even if you're not at home, and have a two-way conversation live with the person who's there, such as a courier. Mm -hmm. They don't even know that you may not be inside. And, uh, you know, it keeps a log of everything as well. There is often a service that you can pay for. It's optional if you want to go back and see who was at your door a day earlier. Yeah, some some brands don't charge that. Some do charge for cloud cloud storage. So, But when it's live, when someone's ringing the doorbell and you can see it on your phone, then that's free. A smart lock is a good idea as well. So you don't need a physical key to get into your home. You can uh, uh, use either a keypad or it'll recognize you through a smartwatch or smartphone that you've paired with that device or a fingerprint sensor or a facial scan and it lets you in. More importantly, and, and this goes back to convenience, you can email someone a e-key, an electronic key oh, that cool. gives them one-time access. Like let's say, Kathy, you're, hey, Mark, can I use your bathroom? And I'm not at home. <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought of that yeah, as an okay. example. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It could happen. Okay, okay, here's a more practical one. You've got a dog walker or a yeah. babysitter or a technician that you want to let into your home and you're not quite there yet. Right. You can do that. And it can only work on certain days of the week, if you like, and certain hours wow. of the day. You can also use your voice to lock your front door at night. So you're walking to, you know, going to your bedroom. You could just use your voice if you have a smart speaker to say lock the front door. So convenient. And then inside your home, uh, there are cameras that let you keep an eye on your loved mm-hmm. ones and your valuables, of course. There are, as you uh, touched on, the Wi-Fi thermostats to automatically uh, uh, control your heating. It can actually save you up to 25% on your annual heating and cooling bills if you let it analyze your, you know, your activity and, and, and monitor when you're there or not. Like there's no reason why in the middle of the winter you need your heat cranked if no one's home all day right. unless you have pets. And similarly in the summer, you don't need your air con cranked if no one's there. So you can have it start like just before you walk in the door from work, for example, or when you go to sleep, you don't, you know, you actually sleep better if it's slightly cooler. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of thing. And then there's smart lighting, you know, using your voice to turn on the lights or setting uh, timers and schedules. You can imply that you're home when you're not, if you're on vacation, by having your lights come on and off certain times of the day. And then finally, really inexpensive smart plugs. So these are as low as $20, depending on the time of the year, that plug into the wall, and then you plug something into it that isn't quote unquote smart, like let's say an old coffee maker. Right. But now on an app or using your voice with a smart speaker, you can turn on your coffee maker to put on a pot of coffee or you can set it as a timer or a schedule. How cool So there's that? lots of ways to, yeah, outfit your home with some smarts without breaking the bank. What I love about all of these examples you're providing with is, is to Mark is that say for instance, my parents are in their 80s or other you know grandparents and parents that are a bit elderly, they're also user friendly. So once the setup is done, it's really just their voice or their fingerprint or whatever, right? 
Great point. There's something more, I would argue, intuitive and, and natural than using your voice to control smart home uh, devices. And again, without spending so much, like you can get like mm-hmm. a smart speaker for as low as $35 this time of year. And, you know, that's great. And then when it comes to appliances, the, you used to have to pay like a really hefty premium for some smarts built in, but the prices are coming down and there's very little delta or difference between a regular appliance and a quote unquote smart one. But if you do have a smart appliance, like say a laundry machine, it'll notify you that the load is done because, you know, we don't want to leave the clothes in a right. wet uh, wet uh, laundry <laughs> uh, bin or drum rather yeah. for a while because, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to smell so great after a while. <laughs> uh, or, you know, it'll, it'll notify you that um, your food is ready, that kind of thing. So, so, again, going back to convenience and some safety as well. There are smart ovens that you can scan that you can scan your barcode of frozen food and it'll not only turn the oven on at a certain temperature that the food asks for, but also turn itself off when it's ready. Wow. Which is great. That's I, I love all of this. And like I said, I just love the way that you're describing them. I always think, do, do I need a fridge that tells me when I need to go to the grocery store for milk? But <laughs> that's what was sort of in our head. Maybe what we think a smart appliance is, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, for sure. And, and also smart appliances uh, can auto-diagnose themselves. So they'll tell right. the manufacturer over the internet what the issue is. So you don't have to pay for a technician to come over to only say, oh, you need this. Like it'll often tell you on an app, this is what's wrong with your dishwasher. Uh, and that, that way you've got information before you even hire someone to come over, right? So that's that's convenient, you know, I, uh, I like all that kind of stuff. I, yeah, whether if there's a camera in your fridge to tell you that you're out of milk <laughs> that you notice when you, uh, you know, I don't like, I don't care for some of those sort of things. If you're at a supermarket, you can look inside your fridge. That to me is a bit gimmicky, but yeah, some of the other things I like. I love all of this stuff. And I said, it's, it's uh, the fact that it's so user-friendly is something that really we, we can be thinking about for, our, you know, again, uh, grandparents, parents on our Christmas list this year, Boxing Day sales, et cetera, things to look out for. I really yeah. appreciate this rundown because it's often, it's overwhelming sometimes, right? What is the smart house? So I love this. And if we want to find out more from Mark, of course, we can go to marksaltzman.com, find you on social media at Mark Saltzman. I hope you have a great holiday season with your family, Mark, and thanks again for doing this today. And thank you so much, Kathy. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Really appreciate you having me on. Go to Grandma. Thank you so much. Bye. Paul Burton is an award-winning journalist, writer, editor, and public speaker. He is the author of Shopomania, Our Obsession with Possession. He is the editor-in-chief of the Hamilton Spectator, and he writes a weekly editor's desk column and has written three unproduced screenplays. He's the co-inventor of the Mensa award-winning board game, I Know. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed your book, and I thought, wow, a whole book about shopping. I shopped for this book. So I wanted to understand, first of all, why the importance of shopping. So I'm just going to read a sentence from your book, which is... Without shopping, there would have been no exploration, no commercialization, no industrialization, no transportation, no globalization, no pollution. Without shopping, there'd be no economy, no work, no fun. Shopping is the mother of invention. I love that. It puts the whole book in perspective for me. Yeah, it's kind of important shopping, obviously. I, 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 I hasten to add it's probably responsible for language, too. Yes, and you mentioned that responsible for writing as well, right? Yeah, yeah, because people need to keep track of uh, what they are buying and what they owed for it, I suppose. So you go through the four fundamental terms of shopping, which we'll get into shop, unshop, de-shop, and reshop, but you also get into some shoponyms, as you call them, and we're going to talk about those. But first off, I have to ask you, Paul, do you shop? <laughs> I'm afraid I do, yeah. Uh, all indications to the contrary, I suppose. But 
Yeah, I mean, I like stuff as much as the next person. I, I think maybe, though, I I try to withstand some of the temptations that uh, are visited upon most people. And I usually, when I want something, I, I'll walk away from it. If I still want it a couple of days later, then I'll, I'll succumb. <laughs> Did your sort of I don't know, attitude towards shopping change as you wrote the book? Um, yeah, it did, because I realized the uh, weight that all this stuff and all this uh, consumerism is placing upon a, you know, a bending planet. And uh, that, that, that is one of the themes of the book, uh, just, you know, what, what does it all mean in the end? Why, do, in your impression, why do humans like so much stuff? Oh, that's a complicated question, <laughs> which I uh, which I address in a, in a variety of chapters in the book. But yeah, I mean that's what makes us human. We uh, a lot of a lot of the the things that we like, we like just like them because of art. We're impressed mm-hmm. by our own ingenuity, or or we like uh, something for more than the sum of its parts. But we're also we also want to be part of a community or a, a group and and collect stuff like everyone else and. And we also want to keep up with the neighbors and what they're buying. So there's like there's so many things involved in why humans collect stuff, and it makes us. It, it's what makes us human. There's no other creature on Earth that collects stuff that is not immediately useful as food or shelter, and uh, you know it it, it. it it's what makes us weak, and it's also what makes us strong. Right. And so many reasons that we sort of pull out that credit card or do that shopping and what you call the 10 shoponyms. And I wanted to go through a few of them with you because I found this super interesting. What is shopperia, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Shopperia is an outflowing of uh, excess uh, uh, stuff often out of our closets and into our living spaces or out of the garage and pushing the car out. It's really, it's a a, 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 a new way of saying hoarding. Right, <laughs> right. And maybe why there's so many of those storage buildings everywhere, right? No, exactly. Yeah, they're all over the place, multiplying like uh, <laughs> like condos. What about blotto shop? Blotto shopping is to shop while drinking. And uh, <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> you know, I talk a little bit about it. And, you know, a lot of stores are figuring this out, serving now serving alcohol the way that they serve champagne and say in, in some stores. They're now opening actual bars and shops. And mall owners have always been aware of that, that that's why they put restaurants and bars in the mall. So people feel better when they're shopping. And when they feel better, they'll buy more. I learned when I was launching a book to host it in a bar, not in a bookstore. How's that? So people definitely <laughs> buy more. Quick tip for you. Uh, Shopperati. Shopperati are the people who know more about stuff and usually a particular something or other than the rest of us. So if you collect watches, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even wear a watch, so I know nothing about watches. But there are a great, a growing number of people, in my opinion, know a lot about watches, usually the expensive kind. And so they're sort of a rarefied group that know something about something in particular, usually an expensive handbag or a watch or a car or something like that. Yeah, you referenced Jay Leno having more than like 100 cars. He's the car guy. Yeah, well, (laughs) there are a lot of people who have more than 100 cars. And for the life of me, I can't figure that out. When to even drive them? Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other <laughs> thing. Um, so I, I talked about the four uh, terms or definitions of shopping that you have, and in one of your chapters, you talk about the fact that empty nesters or you know people are uh, the kids are out of the house. Maybe we're grandparents now. We go through what you call the D shop and the re shop. Could you quickly explain that to me? Yeah, well, there's a, 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 a D shopping is throwing stuff out, getting rid of it, right? 
reshopping is buying new stuff now that you've got freed up the space for <laughs> that you've just uh, cleared out of the garage or the closet and you can say hey now i can buy some new clothes because i can fit more in my closet it's just like a vicious circle isn't it we don't, we don't learn do we <laughs> Well, and as, as I say in the book, like there's a, there's an unshop too, and a, yes. and a, a Boxing Day unshopathon where where you know you take all your stuff back on Boxing Day, and in the afternoon you realize, hey, you're flush with money from all the returns, and you reshop for all kinds of new stuff. Yeah, it's so interesting, especially with Boxing Day coming up. I think it puts shopping at the forefront for a lot of us. As you say, shop is just buying stuff. Unshopping, that's returning it for a full refund or unloading it even at a profit. So people who buy things specifically so they can list them like on eBay or something like that. Yeah, and that's a it's a big business it for is. further to our conversation about handbags or yep. sneakers or, or or expensive watches. Yeah, a lot of these things are in or are they're considered investments. I'm not sure that they always work out that way. Yeah, it's a bit of a risk. And you all always hear stories about uh, people buying clothes for a special event, keeping the tags on and <laughs> taking them back. <laughs> does that really happen? <laughs> I guess it, it really does. does. It really does, unfortunately, and. Uh, some stores, as I talk about in the book, are trying to figure out ways right. of putting special tags on them to try and prevent that. Well, I loved your book, Paul. It is called Shopamania. Of course, that's one thing you should shop for is Paul's book. And he's uh, Paul Burton, and that's Paul, F-B-E-R-T-O-N. And are, of course, on social media, Paul Burton as well, if we want to find out what you're up to. And I wanted to mention to you that your dad, Pierre Burton, wrote a game with Charles Templeton called Tour de Force, and my husband and I play it. I am not kidding you, at least once a month. We still love this game. So thank you for that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, It's a good game, yeah. And now <laughs> I need you. to go and find your game. The one that you wrote called <laughs> I Know. Thank you so much for this and uh, happy holidays. And thanks for all the advice leading into Boxing Day and putting shopping in a new perspective for us. Thanks, Kathy. See ya. Take care. Stuart Gray is Director, RBC Financial Planning Center of Expertise. Stuart and his team of 17 financial planning professionals support over 2,900 accredited financial planners in RBC's retail branch network. Stuart is a certified financial planner, and he joins me today to talk about financial planning and the importance of estate planning and wills. Good morning, Stuart. Thanks so much for being part of our Take 5 with RBC series this morning. Thanks. I'm glad to be with you. So, Stuart, the upcoming holidays are an important time for making memories, creating traditions, and enjoying quality time with friends and family. And all of this contributes to building your family's legacy. How should we be thinking about our finances as part of building that legacy? Thanks, Kathy. And it's a, it's a great time of year because we're, uh, even with COVID, uh, we're, we're all gathering with friends and family at this time of year. Mm-hmm. And as you look around the room or the table, it gives you the opportunity to think about what you want your legacy to be for your family, friends, and for your community. And a lot of the time, the estate planning conversations is difficult. But being able to talk openly about what your final wishes are can really help ease that discussion. Uh, I've personally experienced so many times where parents haven't shared their wishes openly, and it, it creates acrimony and division with their family. So this time of year when you're gathering, it's, it's two things. It's one, it's the opportunity to look around and say, what do you want your legacy really to be? But also an opportunity to share with your family and friends what you want uh, your wishes to be. I think that's great advice. And actually, I'm lucky my parents are very open with their estate planning. We just had a discussion over lunch the other day. And you're right. This is the time to do it when we're sort of seeing each other and, and before things happen. But who can benefit from having an estate plan? Well. 
everyone should really <laughs> think yeah. about having an estate plan um, because it is it, it is more than just your will. Uh, mm-hmm. And we talked about legacy a minute ago, and legacy is really how do I want to be remembered or what impact do I want to make? And that doesn't necessarily happen just when you go and, and pass away. Uh, it can be before you pass away too. Um, so that's one of the biggest misconceptions about uh, estate planning is that uh, an estate plan is not your will. Your will is the document that helps you ultimately deal with your estate. And it only comes into effect when, when you pass away. And there are opportunities, as I said, for you to enjoy or see your legacy in action before your passing. So having your family and friends understand what's important and having that well-laid-out estate plan ensures that your wishes are carried out, but it also takes into consideration reducing your taxes, mm-hmm. ensuring that your, your estate or your assets pass in a smooth way to the beneficiaries, um, and also a very important component of it is what happens should you become incapacitated before uh, you pass away? And that's where things like uh, wills and powers of attorney become more, more important. So no matter what our age and what our estate might entail, we should be thinking about this. Absolutely. So what does a full estate plan entail? Well, there are many components to an estate plan, and, and it really first starts with uh, understanding exactly what assets and, and liabilities you have. So what do, what do you own and what do you owe? The second then step is how do you want that to be distributed or, or how do you want um, your beneficiaries or your family or community to benefit from that? And, and that's either before or after you pass away. Uh, there are some critical steps to ensure a smooth and efficient uh, settlement of your estate, and they would, they, they would include um, making sure that you've assigned beneficiaries to your investment and insurance policies. Uh, very important is making sure that you have enduring powers of attorney in place, both for personal and financial needs. Uh, and ensuring that your will is up to date and that you've chosen the right estate executor. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, in a recent study, 52% of Canadians say they still don't have a will, uh, which is slightly a high number, I think. Is yeah. As we look at, at uh, our boomers, you know, the 55-plus Canadians, uh, that number does drop to 26, but that's still you know, almost one in four uh, people in Canada over the age of 55 don't have a will in place. Um, and and 25% of Canadians don't know don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And and I think the last part of that is once you get the documents in place, make sure that you share your wishes with your families and friends. And and I think you sharing the story, Kathy, about uh, meeting with your your parents just last week over lunch and and understanding what was going on as a critical part of that. Um, but at RBC, we do have a partnership with Royal Trust and Epilogue Wills. It's an online will and power of attorney provider. Uh, and our RBC clients can benefit from a 20% discount uh, if they do their, their, their plan through Epilogue. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think they can go to rbc.com slash online wills to find out that information and get all kinds of um, information just to, in terms of getting that will completed online. I've done it. It's actually really straightforward. So I encourage our listeners to do that. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about that today, Stuart. Excellent. Thanks, Kathy. Okay, take care. A house is just a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. 
Of course, George Carlin said that, but it's the smart stuff we need now, right? Thanks to Mark for helping us with our smart shopping and to Paul for helping us to realize when it's smart not to shop for stuff. And to Stuart Gray at RBC for reminding us what stuff is important to leave behind. Next week on GoToGrandma, it's our last show of 2022, and we are going to be starting the new year off right. Nutrition expert Miranda Milisani tells us why we shouldn't be starting that diet on January 1st, or maybe never. And menopause doesn't care if it's January 1st or even what day it is. Author and personal trainer Amanda Thebe tells us how she went from barely surviving menopause to thriving with her book, Menopocalypse. And we take a look back at some of the best of Take 5 with RBC as we wrap up a fabulous year of go-to grandma financial advice. I'd like to thank you for joining me today and wish you and your families, especially your grandkids, of course, a happy holiday season. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.